bit of information about what I went through the past few days. We had Presbytery this last week. Elder D. Singh and I were traveled to Abilene, and so I barely made it here today, um, So, but I am here. Uh, so we are tired, but we're here. So let's get started. It's good to see you all. Uh, we're continuing our study of 1 Timothy chapter... Uh, we're in chapter uh, 5 now, so we're getting close, getting close to the end. So chapter 5... Verses 1 through 8. Before we start, uh, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, uh, we sing of your glory and we uh, offer you sacrifices of praise for the work that our Savior Christ has done in dying on a cross and rising on the third day uh, to redeem us from our sins. We thank you for this time that we've been given as a church to um, set aside our thoughts and um, our energy towards other matters uh, relative to work and uh, entertainment uh, throughout the rest of the week and set those energies and our mental activity upon your word and upon the gospel. So we pray, Father, that you would bless us this morning as we uh, look at this section of scripture to the praise of your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to read verses one through eight and then we'll get started. Uh, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn uh, to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Uh, Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an uh, unbeliever." All right, so just a reminder real quick, we're in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, verses 1 through 8. Uh, there are two things here in this reference to older men that uh, we should take note of. Timothy was young, right, being young, verse 12, back in uh, chapter 4, don't let anyone despise you for your youth, Timothy. So Timothy was on the younger side. He was to have a healthy reverence for older men, that is what... One of the things that we see here in this verse, do not rebuke an older man. An older man. No child in any stage of his life should feel comfortable harshly rebuking his own father. Right? It's, it's kind of out of order. You know, of course, unless the father is uh, caught or involved in some egregious sin, then that might be appropriate then. But uh, honoring father and mother are ways in which we honor God, right? So that's... Um, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And so do not rebuke an older man, uh, Timothy. Have reverence for them. Second thing we need to understand here, though, is that old men, though, or older men, may need correction at times, right? Older men are prone to sin just as well as younger men. And so Timothy, uh, it's not as though Timothy should completely ignore mis- uh, the activity or the behavior of older men, and if they're sinning, just let it go. It's not that he's telling Timothy to do that. He's just saying if the need arises, be gentle with them, right? Don't, don't harshly rebuke an older man. Have respect for them. Timothy was to treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. 
here. The, uh, we're reminded of the familial aspects of uh, the familial aspect of the relationship that each one of us have with one another. We are a family in Christ. We are sons of God through Christ. And so we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, uh, and this is a bond that's created by the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily a blood relation, but it's a, a bond that's actually stronger. Um, but that's the bond that we have. And so the same gentleness, the same affection, the same love that you should see in a, a blood household, that's the same kind of affection that should be seen in our relationships with one another in this household. Um, and especially for pastors, right? So that's what uh, they are to set the example, pastors and elders. Treat younger men as brothers, women as mo- older women as mothers, younger women as sisters. Have a familial love towards them, Timothy. Uh, Paul mentions purity in, to, in regard to the way in which um, Timothy is, is to deal with uh, younger women. He says, uh, treat younger women as sisters in all purity. Now I'm going to pose a question to you. Why do you think Paul added that little piece there? Why do you think, uh, why do you think he added that piece about purity when he's telling telling uh, Timothy to regard younger women as sisters. What do you think? Carolyn? Okay, good. Yeah. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah. I actually hadn't thought of that. Yeah, Timothy was single, right? Um, didn't, he didn't have a family at this point. Um, and so he was to be careful as a single man, a single young man, uh, and how he speaks and how he acts with, with younger, younger women. Very good. Yeah. Anything else? What do you think? Um, yeah, so that's basically it. It's pretty straightforward. It simply means that Timothy was to be careful with his speech and behavior with younger women. Uh, not that Paul saw in Timothy some kind of you know, predatory characteristics. It wasn't that at all. It was just that Timothy was to be careful with younger women. Treat them as sisters in all purity. Don't give anyone uh, reason to despise you, right? Remember he said, let no one despise you for your youth. Well, especially with younger women, you're single, Timothy. The way you speak to them, the way you behave with them, the way you are around them, um, uh, be, be careful, um, it should be, uh, you should be very careful with your speech and behavior. People are watching. Let no one despise you for your activity. Um, okay, very good. And of course, this is a lesson for all of us in the church, all men in particular in the, in the church. This is how we are to treat our sisters in the Lord. Uh, Timothy was to honor widows. And so this is to say he was to take care of them. It wasn't just that Timothy was to recognize them. Um, honoring here is a reference to meeting their needs, taking care of what they need, uh, giving them, making sure they get hold of their specific needs as widows because they are usually needier than others in the church. In this way, if Timothy honored widows and made sure that the widows were taken care of, Timothy would image the love of God, right? What, is, what do we hear uh, about God in the Psalms in terms of his uh, 
care and his love for those who are completely destitute or those who are in a very precarious position. We hear, for example, in Psalm 146, he upholds the widow and the fatherless. This is what God does, and therefore we are to reflect God's image in the church by having a special concern for people who are um, in need, namely widows, um, the fatherless, orphans, right? And think of James, right? Religious, a religion that is pure and undefiled is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, right? To meet their needs. Uh, truly widows, Paul talks about widows who are truly widows. These are those who have no children to, to take care of them. Their, their uh, family help stops with them. And so to be a true widow is to not have any uh, blood family close to you to help uh, take care of you. So they w- might be in an even more precarious position without any uh, children to help them or uh, family members. But Paul adds here, and so Timothy was to take special note of them, care for them. Um, those who are the neediest in the church, that's really kind of where the rubber hits the road, in my opinion, in terms of uh, the, the love of Christ and how its evidence in the church, right? If, if we are quick to ignore uh, those who are neediest in our church, like widows, orphans, whoever it may be, you know, that, that's a problem, right? No matter how wonderful our sermons are, how wonderful the, the teaching is, if, if we miss that point, we need to reassess what we're doing. Um, and, of course, you know, Providence doesn't have this problem. Providence has been very good about this, but um, this, is, uh, this is something we always need to remember. If a widow has no children, he says, let them make return to their... Uh, Oh, wait, if a widow has children, I'm sorry, if a widow has children, he says, let the children make return to their parents. In other words, the primary responsibility for caring for a widow with children and grandchildren, right? You've got a family, you've got a widow. Who is to take care of this widow? Who's to look out for them? It falls primarily upon the children and the grandchildren, ideally, in a normal, loving situation. In a loving, think about this, about the life of you know, generations of uh, families. In a loving Christian home, a woman, a mother, denies herself for her children and her grandchildren, right? She sacrifices her time, her energy to take care of her children, to take care of her grandchildren, to care for them, to help them grow, to help them prosper, right? It's for those of you who have grandchildren, uh, you're a grandmother, you know how much energy that takes, right, uh, to care for grandchildren, to keep them at your home for days, even weeks, even for the help, to help your, your other children, right? This, <clears throat> they do this to care for them, to help them prosper. This is a kind of investment, right? It's an investment in their lives. And the return from this investment, Lord willing and ideally, is that when the children, those children are grown... And even the grandchildren, when they are grown, and the mom is now infirm, and the mom is now needy, the mom, the grandmother now needs care, it only makes sense, now that these children are stronger, that they would take care of their ailing uh, mother and grandmother. And so that's the normal, that should be the normal kind of um, 
process or the normal, um, uh, the normal way of life for a Christian family, for a loving family. Now, what do you think Timothy's role in this was? Paul is telling this to Timothy, right? Let children and grandchildren pay their parents back uh, or pay their widowed mother back for the love that she, shown, she had shown them over the years. Why, why is he telling Timothy this? What do you think his role would be in this? What do you think? Probably Jean? expects him to preach on that topic. Okay, yeah, preach. Yeah, he says in 2 Timothy, Gene says he probably expects Timothy to teach and to preach on this subject, right? 2 Timothy 2, he said preach the word. Part of that word is to tell families to take care of each other. Um, very good. Yeah, Carolyn. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good. Yeah, so Carolyn brings out the point that uh, uh, Paul tells us in uh, his letter that to Timothy, I believe it's 2 Timothy. I'm not, I can't remember if it's this one. He talks about Eunice, his grandmother, 2 Timothy. Um, Timothy's own mother, grandmother, raised him up in uh, the admonition of the Lord, right? His, yeah, his yeah. Yeah, his father was a Gentile. He doesn't mention him in terms of Timothy's upbringing and, you know, uh, learning the word of God at a young age. Um, so, yeah, this, was, this should strike home more personally for Timothy, right? I think Brian had his hand up next. Yeah, good, good point, Carolyn. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, good, great point. Yeah, so Brian brings out the point here that this section, it kind of mirrors a previous section when Paul is talking about the qualifications for overseers, right? And there he ends it the same way. And this is what Brian brought out, is that um, in verse 5 of chapter 3, he says, someone who does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church, right? So that's... uh, overarching general principle, a qualification for an elder. They've got to have order and love in their household. Um, Now we narrow it down a little bit, right, as Brian said. Um, We look at what does that look like with widows in particular? Well, um, they are to see that the children of of widows are are to take care of them. That's, That's evidence of a loving household. And so, you know, if something's amiss in these households and um, you know that, that's a problem yeah exactly yeah if Timothy's not doing these things if, if other elders aren't if this isn't being done in other families of, of elders whatnot, not um, then you know that's a problem for the whole church yeah very good that's good anything else yeah Jeff sorry
Good. Yeah. 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 Great point. Uh, I hadn't thought of that either, uh, Jeff. So, um, Jeff brings out the point that Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for this very thing, right? They they wouldn't let people give uh, to their parents who were in need because that money needed to go to the temple, right? It's it's Corbin. You've already committed yourself to this, and so they basically turn the household. The biblical principle for household care, they turn it upside down for their own advantage, right? Very good. Yeah, Tom. Well, I think there was a hand over here too, but sorry. Tom, go ahead. Yeah, good point. Yep. Yeah, that's That's right. Yeah. So Tom brings out the point that the um, you know, normal practice was for generations to live with each other in the same in the same household. Uh, during this time, and you know we're not far from that right now. To be honest, it's very expensive to live in Austin. Um, it's not quite as easy for kids to uh, grow up, move out on their own. It's nearly impossible in some cases um, because, as a young person, you can only make so much. And so, um, yeah, to have family members living with you and you don't take care of them is, is even worse. Did somebody else have a hand over here, Shara? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So Shara is sharing her experience from Canada um, where uh, the citizens are taxed and some of that money is, is given to the care of the seniors in society. A similar thing happens with us. Uh, you think about Medicare, uh, things like that, Medicaid, whatever. Um, and so the question is, is this... Uh, instruction for how society in general is to be run, like not just the church, but government as well, is this instruction go beyond the church walls and tell us something about society? Um, Well, a couple of things on that, Shara. So uh, this is God's word, and so the answer, of course, would be yes. I mean, ideally, society as a whole should operate based on scriptural principles, right? But we know that it doesn't always do that. 
We have wicked leaders, wicked, you know, unrighteous laws that we have to deal with. That's never going to change. Um, I think, though, the emphasis here is on the church, right? Regardless of taxes, regardless of what may be going on in the broader culture, um, this is what we are to listen to, right? Um, uh, yes, it might make it harder for a family to care for a widow in their, in their own family because they're already paying taxes for, you know, the broader society. Um, but that's a burden that's shared by everyone, right? It's not like there's a family and they're, they're the only ones paying taxes and the next family isn't. Everybody pays taxes. And so I think the idea is that um, regardless of what society demands of us, um, if there's someone in need in the church, we need, to, we need to do what we can to take care of them. And in Christian families, if there's someone in need in your own family, that's definitely something that needs to be taken care of. Does that get at what you're asking? Yeah, good question. Jeff. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, in principle, probably a good thing. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. There's a. There's a. Yeah. There, there's a possible fallout there, right? If we. If we say, well. Let's set up a society where everybody pays taxes and then the, the government, or the state, takes care of the seniors when they're older, right? Well, then we wash our hands clean of, as the church of caring for the widows, right? We've already paid our taxes. It's their responsibility. Um, and that's not good, right? Uh, if, if widows are receiving help from the state, that's help from God indirectly, right? It's, it's a benefit that they get in the state in which they live, and they should be thankful to God for that. Uh, nevertheless, the church is not free to you know, wash their hands clean of, of caring for the, the needy in the church. It's, it's our responsibility. Um, um, but Paul shows that within the you know, blood family, too, there's, there's a responsibility there that should not be ignored. Okay, very, very good. I like that. All right. Uh, Paul says this is pleasing in the sight of God. This isn't just you know, human reason that says this. Uh, this is what God uh, desires. Now, not all widows are alike, we see here. Right? There are those who set their hope on God and others who are self-indulgent. Right? You might think of uh, the widow who's mentioned in Luke, Anna. Right? She was, uh, we are told that she worshipped and fasted and prayed continually and um, that when Jesus was born, she spoke of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of, of Jerusalem. So that she was a widow, and she used her time, her energy as a widow to, to worship and to serve the Lord Jesus, right? She spoke of him. There are those types of widows, um, and then those, Paul, who says, uh, Paul says, are um, self-indulgent, right? And she says those types of widows are dead even while she lives. Now, this means... Uh, you know, if you think about widowhood, uh, there is a certain amount of, you know, quote-unquote freedom, I guess. Uh, when they're older, they're not bound to a marriage. Uh, m- maybe the children are, are in separate towns. 
and there is a certain, they have enough money to live and to enjoy life, and they use that freedom to indulge themselves, right, to uh, satisfy their own selfish desires. That's an option for some uh, widows, and it's obvious it was maybe a problem or a potential problem where Timothy uh, was ministering. Paul says that type of widow is dead even while she lives. Now, this doesn't mean that she's not a Christian. It just means that she's basically useless <laughs> to the church. If that's how she decides to use her time, then even while she lives and enjoys life and you know uh, satisfies all of her uh, selfish desires, she's living, but she's actually dead in, in relation to the church. She's, she's really not helping. And so um, so Paul says uh, that's, a, that's a problem. Um, they should strive after the other, the other type. Um, okay, another question here. So Paul, uh, Paul talks about widowhood here and widows who set their hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. This is a full commitment to what she can do as a widow. She can pray, which is... Uh, a means of grace. It's one of our most powerful weapons is, is prayer. So widows can pray continually. And we need prayer. The church needs prayer. Um, and so it, do you think that these verses in some way affirm the practice of nunnery or, or uh, I guess you call it monkhood, you know, living in a monastery or a, or a, a convent, whatever it, it is? What do you think? You think that's a... Uh, a righteous uh, endeavor to do that? What do you think? Historically, there were convents that took in widows and orphans, so I believe they were often attempting to do that to okay. serve Christ. Sure, okay. Maybe some places are, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe some places are set up to help widows and orphans because they're in, they, in need. They need a place to stay. Okay, and that's certainly good, right? Carolyn? I don't see a scripture where it speaks to that at all. Yeah, a, not, being a nun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Carolyn doesn't see that in scripture. Yeah, Mike? In this chapter, yeah. 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 I agree with you. So Mike um, wholeheartedly says that this absolutely does not uh, affirm the practice of of nunnery or monkhood. Um, You know, those denominations or those religious. Religious groups that do teach this 
Um, they, they would say that being a nun or a monk in isolation from the rest of the church, in isolation from really the rest of the world on a lot of levels, is uh, to make them more holy, right? They're more holy. They get closer to God in that way. But that, that's an unscriptural idea. If you think about it, living in a convent or a monastery is actually a life of ease. It's a life of comfort. You have no dealings with other, other people other than the people who are there. You have all your, uh, all your needs met. Uh, and so it's not necessarily that they're suffering for the Lord. They're actually living in ease and comfort for the Lord in a lot of ways. No, widowhood, um, proper righteous widowhood is lived out in the context of fellowship with the church, other believers, right? If she continues in supplications and, and prayers night and day. Then you think about Anna, who, who we just mentioned in Luke. She's having conversation with others in the church about Christ who had just been born. Um, and so, no, this, this, this uh, section or these verses do not uh, teach that, that nunnery or monkhood is, is of any value or is even scriptural. Uh, yeah, Brian. Yep. Yeah, like Roman Catholics would use these verses as, you know, they would, they would pervert these verses and say that it establishes the practice of nunnery, you know, as something holy. But, I mean, uh, Paul had just mentioned in chapter 4, those who forbid marriage and require abstinence from, from foods, their consciences are seared, right? It's, it's like Mike said, you know, there's, there's an assumption in our being male and female, that we would have uh, fellowship with one another, right? That's the proper, that's the proper order. Even for a widow, even for a widow who doesn't marry, there's, there's the assumption that, that um, they would have fellowship with the church. Okay, good, good points, very good points. So let's keep going. He says, command these things and teach them. Um, <clears throat> here, again, we see the communal aspect of Christian living, which would, again refute the idea that being a nun or a monk is a holy thing. Command and teach these things so that they may be without reproach, right? And so it's a community. Widows even. Command and teach these things, Timothy, because even widows need to hear the word of God. Even widows need to be reminded of their responsibilities. Um, Even though they're in need, you can't bypass them simply because they're in need. Now, certainly we need to be gentle with them, um, but they have, they have responsibilities too. They have expectations just like uh, the rest of us, and so we, we have to answer to God. So command and teach these things to everyone so that we won't bring a blemish on the gospel, Timothy. All right, now verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an, un, uh, worse than an unbeliever. Um. There is such a thing, now these are, this is, uh, these are pretty powerful words here, but there is such a thing as uh, common grace in the world. This is the restraining grace of God in the lives of even uh, unbelievers, right? And so you think about the large majority of uh, people in the world that do not believe in Christ, and yet there's still a large majority of righteousness that's practiced within these families, right? Um, and so Paul compares here 
the activity of believers, those who have heard the gospel, have confessed the faith, uh, when a widow is among them, or when someone is in need and among them in their own family. And, and he compares that to what takes place in an unbelieving family, right? In an unbelieving family, you could still see this type of activity happening. happening. Parents getting older and their children properly taking care of them, even though they're unbelievers, even though they don't do it for the glory of God. And that's where you see God's restraining grace at at work there. They're not as bad as they could be. But for believers, he said, we do confess the faith. We have the gospel. We know what's appropriate. The gospel clearly teaches that we are to take care of our own household. If a confessing Christian, professing Christian, refuses to do that, he's worse than an unbeliever because at least an unbeliever uh, is ignorant on some level of these things, right? And of course, we see this in unbelieving families as well, right? And, that, and it, it's precisely because of their lack of faith that maybe the, the household is broken down. So we don't want to disregard that. Um, but Paul, Paul is saying that this is, this is basic to Christianity, if you can't take care of those right in front of you, in your own household, if you don't have enough love in your heart, Christian love in your heart, to serve them, to care for them, and especially the neediest ones in your household, then you're worse than an unbeliever because you have the truth. You know the gospel, and it clearly teaches you uh, to do this. And so uh, we deny our faith by our works if if this is happening within our own uh, households. Our Heavenly Father cared for His household by sending His Son to die on a cross. That is how our Father cared for us. He sent His Son to die for us. And so that's that's where the essence of this teaching comes from, that we would reflect that same type of love in uh, in our own families. Any thoughts on that, on verse 8 there? What do you think? Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 So Brian brings out Corinthians where Paul's like, you know, there's some egregious sin going on here among so-called Christians, professing Christians. Even the Gentiles don't do this uh, type of thing. So it's, it's not uncommon to use for the biblical writers to use, uh, you know, outward righteousness that's seen in the unbelieving world to rebuke uh, those who profess uh, to be Christians, and that's what he's, he's doing here. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Gene. Good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Jesus assumes that we'll give to the needy. It's, it's, it's a matter of how we do it, right? We're supposed to do it in secret for the glory of God, not for the praise of man. Very good. All right. Yeah. Well, go ahead. You're fine. Go ahead, Travis. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. That's a good point. He's, he's, and they should be ashamed, right? So there's, there's a sense in which, you know, Paul says, we're professing Christians. This should be automatic. 
and yet, unfortunately, it's not you should be ashamed of yourself, right? You're worse than an unbeliever. You've denied the faith. And so that's a pretty harsh uh, thing, but it reminds us of uh, our calling individually in, in our families. Um, you know, take care, take care of those who are right next to you, you know, your spouse, your children. That's, that's, uh, that's our primary calling uh, in the church, and we, we, uh, we are to be examples in society in terms of how we love one another. Yeah, last one. That's a good point. Yeah, June. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Carolyn's mother, June, who was a member here for a long time when she was declining in health, the church really gathered, rallied around her to care for her in her last days. And it's really important to do that. You know, those types of things aren't the flashiest things in the world, right? Um, you're not going to have, you know, uh, 20,000 views on YouTube, you know, uh, visiting a, a widow in her last days, but that's, that's what's pleasing in the sight of God. That's what Paul says here. All right, let's pray. Y'all. Father, we thank you for uh, your mercy to us and that when we were as widows, spiritually destitute and as the fatherless without a father in the world, you saved us, you cared for us. We pray that we would, as your church, as those who profess Christ and who believe in the gospel, that we um, would reflect your image and your love and the way we care for the members of our own household, especially uh, widows. We do pray for the widows among us, those who are in need. We pray that you would meet all of their needs and use the church to do so. Bless us now as we prepare our hearts for worship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.